the week's journeys are weighing heavy upon your back as you and your companion, a small furry who calls himself Yustin, have rode for miles, have had many battles upon this path. But you're almost there. You're within eyeshot of the cavern that you seek. Reward as you and Justin approach. You notice a figure coming from the cave. You dismount from your horse. You look, look again. You place your hand on the hilt of your sword in preparation for another battle. Justin yawns and pulls out his. We're not sure what it is, but he has something pulled out. The silhouette of the man exiting the cave grows larger and larger. As you approach with caution, Justin by your side, the silhouette of the man stops. You look, and then the voice comes. What is going on, guys? Hey, it's Anthony. Welcome to Monday Madness. That's what came from the man in the silhouette. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in today. I am super, super excited uh, to be talking about the subject in which we are going to be diving into in today's episode, which is the good old role-playing games. And I'm not talking about... On video games, I'm talking about the tabletop rolling dice, blowing the dust off of those uh, those twenty siders, the one die fours, and much, much more. Here on the Culture Jacked Podcast, as always, guys. Hey, please take a minute, uh, minute, take a moment, hit subscribe. If you guys enjoy our content, take a moment and leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to. So I'm just going to dive right into this. Uh, It's not going to be super fancy by any stretch of the imagination. However, I thought about this idea uh, as I wrapped up my last podcast. And as I did that, I got super excited as I started looking up uh, information and then a bunch of crazy thoughts came to my mind and then a bunch of... uh, memories started to repopulate a part of my brain that really hasn't been there in a very long time. So let's dive into this. Um, We're going to specifically be talking about two RPGs, uh, tabletop versions today. One is, of course, Dungeons and Dragons, and the other is Rifts and the uh, 
Kevin Sambita or Sambidia, however you see that guy's name, um, they're, they're role playing because both had significant impacts on me. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to role playing games. I think it was 1991. Uh, a short time before me and my family moved, a uh, family member of mine had a couple of riffs books, and I was just taken back as a young child to see uh, the first thing was the insane illustrations. I mean, at that time, I didn't have any clue of what the hell Dungeons and Dragons were or what even riffs or what role playing games really were. Um, however, when I was looking at the art, I was like, this is the craziest fantasy art thing I've ever seen in my life. And it left an impression. Well, years later, that impression um, resonated with me and I was fortunate enough to find a couple of these riffs books uh, at a local bookstore. They were used and they were very cheap. And then uh, a buddy of mine, actually several buddies of mine were talking. And in the, we, again, we were children. We were uh, not even in high school at the time. We were in elementary school. And uh, me and, and a handful of buddies, you know, uh, started diving down the D&D and the Rifts and the Heroes Unlimited world, uh, just not really knowing what we were doing other than, you know, we got to have a DM or a GM. We got to have players and we got to have some dice. Let's do this. And long story short, I had an incredible time. Um, we did really cool campaigns. We did really shitty campaigns. We played with good players. We played with bad players. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today is my experience. And then I want to share some of the, uh, a little bit of the backlog and, and some of the history with it, you know, starting with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, which was designed by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. And it, the first publication was in 1974 which is insanity because I have read and have seen articles that I'm sure you may have too, that the impact as that grew, um, it became pretty wild because people didn't understand what was going on as all these people started playing these tabletop games. Keep in mind, pre-Atari, pre-video games, a way to spend your time, build your imagination, create a character. And it's just incredible to think that that's been around for that long. Now, it does note that in 77, there was two branches, rules, basic Dungeons and Dragons in advance. I'm not going to go into any of the rules or any of that stuff today, but the it's just crazy. You know, the second edition was published in 1989 and in 2000, a new system was released, which was third edition. Now, um, I remember when third edition came out, we played on second edition. I remember when third edition came out and um, by 3.5, I was not an active player to any degree. Um, but the adventures, the storytelling, the characters, the it, it's such an important I, I feel like now as an adult um, that it's such an important it was such an important part of my life. Um, and, and to some degree still is simply because 
when you and your friends spend all of this time creating this world in this story, and then you get to interact in that face to face, well, at the time, face to face, now probably not so much, but face to face, and you are a pivotal part of that story. If you're the player, if you're the, the GM or DM, you are the storyteller. You get to create the arcs. You get to create the wins, the losses and everything. And to spend hours and hours doing this with, with good friends of mine at the time was an incredible thing, especially as a child with an imagination that was really just running wild. And I, I can recall and, and it was really funny to me while preparing for this episode to sit there and think, man, I remember sitting on my ass for hours trying to come up with names in the way it seemed to me and, and others, to be completely honest, because some of the names that you hear people come up with in the backstories were crazy. But I remember sitting there and, and trying to come up with cool names, being like long beard, short beard, you know, Balazar, uh, Bacchion, Blah, 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 blah. And then you do this like full circle and you end up well, like, I got it. Finally, after three days of considering names, his name is Tim Shortbeard. And I just think <laughs> thinking about that is just hilarious to me because of it. And then, of course, the backstories, man, sitting there at the time. Well, toward the end, I would say, of my my D&D and, and role playing days and riffs days, um, as I was dawning into the later years in high school, uh, I was reading a lot of Dragonlance books and, and, and you just there was so much fuel for that fire of creativity. So naturally, you want to build the most epic story for your character. So you finally figure out the name after uh, arguing with yourself on what's cool or you steal something from TV or a movie or a book. Um, and, and then you come up with this crazy ass backstory, you know. My father was a war hero. He survived three wars and died at the last war, serving the king. He was the king, you know, and all this stuff. And um, you get to explain that crazy shit to your friends, pretty much your friends. You're not going to want to explain this to a uh, girlfriend, more than likely, or your mom, because she'll think you're crazy because you're talking to her about dwarves. And you may, you may get yourself into a precarious situation fairly quick if you do so. But so you create the name, you create the, uh, the backstory, if you went that far. And then, um, of course, and it depends on how you did it. I mean, you could do it any which way you choose your character class, you choose, uh, you know, what, what gods or, or are you lawful evil? Are you lawful good? Where, where do you serve in this world? And then, you create your character or maybe you created your character first. Uh, I know people that did it every which way. Uh, generally speaking, I would have an idea and then try to flush that idea out, create my character sheet. And this is the same both D&D and Riffs. Uh, as far as what I'm saying, it was a similar application when it came to creating characters for me. Now, I also was fortunate enough to be a uh, GM predominantly uh game master for riffs and heroes unlimited more so than D and D we had a couple of buddies that were really good at D and D uh, 
I had another buddy that did some riff stuff and pretty big difference between the two. I'll dive into that here in a moment as I wrap up, uh, says, you know, some of the character stuff. So you create this thing on your own. I mean, in just thinking about that now, like how awesome that was that not just you, I mean, like you rolled up thinking that you were the shit because you, you got a cool name or what you think is a cool name. You got a cool backstory or what you think is a cool backstory. You have all this stuff, all your attributes here rolled this, this way my guy's so strong or, or whatever it is. And then so does all your other buddies. All, your, all, all of my other buddies rolled into that thing deep being like, I am. And then you tell your story and so forth and so on. And then the GM or DM, if they were decent, would either, uh, you know, say yes or no, because some people went extreme, some people not so much. Um, sometimes the DM or GM would help, but it, it was just so crazy. Um, a, how creative it was. And B, I feel like that that was time well spent because at that time you weren't doing, at least I wasn't doing it. And, and I know the, the people I hung out with, None of us were doing anything that required that much attention, um, that much ability to create. Um, and, and to me, I'm like, holy shit, this is just absolutely uh, crazy at this point in my life. At that time, it was just a fun thing to do. I always had a good time with friends. And um, yeah, so there's, there's a handful of things I'm going to be discussing in this, but first let me make some, add some clarity. I did talk a little bit about the Dungeons and Dragons history kind of leading up to where I fell off. Now, Dungeons and Dragons continued forward. Um, they're currently, I believe on fifth edition or could be on sixth edition. Now they were purchased. Let's see where it is in 2004. D&D remained the best known, best-selling role-playing game. Now this, all of these companies have had their highs and lows through time. Um, I'm trying to see because Wizards of the West Coast, it doesn't say I'm looking at this. They were purchased, I believe, by Wizards of the West Coast or Wizards of the Coast, um, which is a massive game manufacturer. They, they do Magic the Gather, own Magic the Gathering and a bunch of other IPs that are in this world. And now Dungeons and Dragons uh, has had a tremendous resurgence, um, but they also are heavily sponsored working with a company that um, can do them right in the sense of marketing, materials, resources and everything. And there's been a huge resurgence in D Dungeons and Dragons popularity, especially in the last five years, five to 10 years to where I will tell you, just as a fact, you know, the 90s, even even the better part of the uh, from 2000, 2010, if you told someone you were playing Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, I mean, you were still tainted with this like super nerdy. I don't know what the hell you're talking about uh, situation. So you often didn't share that with uh, people you weren't necessarily comfortable with. But now I believe that it's taking a very large turn. Now, let me switch topics here. So that's Dungeons and Dragons. And again, it's the medieval fantasy game that is uh, by far the biggest of all time. It's held on the longest. Um, it's, it's again, had very strong strides in the 70s and 80s, had some issues in the 90s. And then now it has a resurgence and in, in, in is rebuilding and um, is doing very well. Now, another one that I referred to was called Rifts. Now, again, similar concept as far as 
role playing goes. Now, this was started uh, by uh, Kevin Sambita or Sambita, however you say his name, in 1990. And Palladium Books was the company. Now, Palladium, it's a little different than Dungeons and Dragons in the sense that it is there's so many there's so much source material. Um, there's a lot more with it. I mean, here it says there was 80 books published between 1990 and 2011. And they have had their ups and downs just like most. But the, the settings of Rifts, um, which is one of many of the Palladium games, is this like almost like a post-apocalyptic uh, world with so many different source books that you can go in any different direction you want to go in, which is pretty cool to include some subcategories that are not riffs related, but are built off the same platform, such as Heroes Unlimited, which is a essentially a superhero world. And within these worlds, um, all of them, you know, you as if you are the DM or the GM, you are the conductor of this fine orchestra. You are the guy or gal that can create this world. And that, to me, is what was so cool. Now, again, I lean more toward the riffs uh, as far as source material. I love playing D&D. I was, I was uh, a humongous fan of playing D&D. Not so much as, as far as uh, GMing or DMing. However, in the Rifts world, I loved the GM part simply because I liked the world. It was cutting edge. It was uh, very cyberpunky. It had what was called the Coalition and it had all these different sources. And now there's so many freaking books like you could literally be every and anything you wanted. Again, roll, you know, you have to roll dice. You have initiative. You have weapons that do this damage. You have to be able to do this, this and this same idea, similar mechanics, not the same, but similar mechanics. Mechanics, similar rules, um, but di completely different worlds, completely different systems when you break that down. Now, I wanted to get that out of the way because I'm going to make continue to make references to both. And so Rifts is still going. In fact, uh, Rifts in Palladium Books did have a deal with a movie company in which I wish they would have done. And I hope at some point they do, uh, that actually fell through. I think that was like 10 years ago they were planning on, and it was supposed to be a fairly big budget movie. And again, it kind of fell through, but I think there may be some ideas still kicking around. I hope Netflix. So Netflix, if you're listening, pick up and do a riffs movie. If you guys haven't read any of this source material, go online, check it out. The art is just off the chain. If you look at the core book, that was, uh, if you look at the cover of the core book, that was the thing that blew my mind as a kid. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. So let's dive into, <clears throat> let's try to change gears here. So I enough, enough, the, the, the backstory, um, a couple of other funny, super funny things to me that came to mind while I walk this journey of nostalgia, this journey of, uh, role-playing was the different types of people you played with and the characters that they were as people. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you take the, like I said earlier, the names, the character class, everybody builds that up kind of independently for the most part. Now there were sessions where you and your buddies are together. Let's build this campaign. You guys need to be this. You need to be that, which was cool. It was more organized. Um, and for the most, most, of the time it meant for a better story and it meant for a better campaign. However, we didn't always do that. So 
The funny part to me is the types of players people are. Now, some people used voices, which was cool. Um, most of those kids, I will say, all other characters sounded the same, even though they tried to make them sound different. Um, but the other type of player was the rollers, right? And, and so let me explain this. And, and this... I still find super funny to me is the rollers. And what do I mean? I mean, the dice rollers. I mean, every, if you think about this, and if, of course, if you've played any RPGs, this is some funny shit because if you think about the different types of dice rollers that there were, you've got the, uh, the gambler, the guy that rolls in, has his dice, uh, will throw down dice on pretty much anything, any reason. No one's allowed to touch his dice, but you know, that, that's I call him the gambler. And then there's the hider, the guy that the guy that doesn't really show you his dice has a special. Dice. This is my special 20 dice. And I always roll natural 20s or, or whatever it is. Uh, and hides the dice to where he cups the hand over, rolls his initiative and rolls this funny thing. The hider. Then there's the no dice guy. This dude rolls up knowing that he's going to play this game with you. He has dice somewhere. Rolls up to a game, has no dice. Hey, man, give me, you know, let me borrow some dice, bro. Let me borrow some dice. And then, of course, you have the uh, the showboat who always rolled up with either some crazy dice bag or uh, crazy new dice. Hey, you check out my new dice. And, and just those, those things in my mind as I was uh, writing, I actually wrote stuff down for this episode. I just, it just made me laugh because I'm like, shit, those, those are all those people I know. And I also played in that world. Now, moving on to the GM and the DM. Okay, so game master, dungeon master, essentially the game controller, the storyteller, the, the, the person that should, but not always does, spends weeks, if not months, on campaigns for his, for his friends, for the story for the sake of for the sake of the story um and there's different classes of those types of people too you do have the storyteller and i think even the same person can be a storyteller and be some of these other classes that i'm about to talk about but the storyteller to me was always the best i had a friend that at times was a very good storyteller and he hosted the dnd campaigns often um and when he put his time into it what an epic campaign, which led to several campaigns, which led to, in some cases, years of playing with with friends, uh, with a tremendous story, with tremendous in, non-player characters, with just uh, incredible. And then there's the emotional types where they're not getting their way while they're telling the story. And you, the player, will play the price. You also have the flats where what I would call flats, the book readers. I read this out of the compendium and it tells me that you will, and this should, which is cool. Actually, I've played a lot of scripted campaigns. Not a lot. I should say I played quite a few scripted campaigns. They're cool. Um, except for, I always feel, I always felt like the dynamic of the team or the group that you're playing with always could fuck that up. And if you, aren't an adaptive DM and you're a very flat one, that in return is going to fuck up the game. So 
there's the flat. And then of course my favorite, which I was in, in, in my buddy was too, uh, or buddies, several buddies that did do the GMDM position or role also were the player slash GM, which to me, if you were a decent storyteller and you were that player GM, you really got into the non-player characters. You really got into, you, you wanted to play while you were storytelling and you have that ability if you're a good enough player, because then you're getting these deep interactions amongst the team. And those were some of the classes and, and some of the things that just stood out to me as I reflected back on both rifts and Dungeons and Dragons. And I, and to be completely honest, I thought this shit was pretty funny. I'm like, Oh my God, look at this. This is crazy to me. And then the game, of course, um, hours well spent in my opinion. Um, in fact, I, I started watching a shitload of YouTube videos, reading a bunch of articles and got lost in this. In fact, I'm, I'm recording this a day late because I just kept going. I'm like, shit, am I just going to go play this thing? Like, who am I going to play with? I can't just go create a character. I don't know anybody that plays this anymore. And it, it built that much enthusiasm and rekindled that many memories um, with me that uh, it was it's just incredible to, to think about that. Now, again, you jump forward, you know, 2020. What, what does 2021 look like? After a solid internet review, it appears as, uh, to me for Dungeons and Dragons more so than Rifts. I didn't have enough time to really dive into what Rifts is today other than I went to their website, in which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, but it appears to me that Dungeons and Dragons is he healthier than ever. It, it looks to me like the technology world helped exploit the fun and the creativeness of Dungeons and Dragons. And I would assume riffs as well in a very good sense that there is an incredible amount of podcasts, YouTube videos, uh, pretty much any media cycle that you would want to dive into to learn about it or to participate to some degree or to just listen and view, it's available on pretty much every market, which is incredible. There's also additional support out there that I, I got stuck on this for several hours because it was just this cycle. I'm like, what? So one big one um, that helps and has helped D&D, especially is uh, Joe Maganello, and I'm probably messing his name up. This dude blew my mind um, like 10 times over. Like I, I had an idea that he played games. I heard that before or read an article, but I dived into that. You guys have to look this up. If you are a D&D player or have played D&D, check out Joe Maganello. If you're not familiar with him, he was the guy in True Blood, Magic Mike. Um, that is one of Dustin's favorite movies. So I know he knows what I'm talking about. Maybe not true blood, but magic Mike, um, in a bunch of other movies. He was also, uh, in justice league at the very end. And, uh, anyways, this dude is like the king of D and D. So he played in high school as he describes. And then he had a huge resurgence. He turned a room in his house into a really cool GM DM or dungeon D and D loft and plays with some incredible people that you may not be aware of. And I'm going to talk to you about those people 
in a moment, but check his stuff out. He'll show you online the uh, what he's created and everything. In fact, this is how much of a, uh, a fan this guy is. Uh, not only does he communicate with Gygax's son, um, and he has this incredible room, but he teamed up with Omaze. So if you're not a f- uh, familiar with Omaze, Omaze is an incredible company that reaches out to celebrities or YouTube people or what have you. And they curate some kind of deal as a giveaway to support specific causes that, that need it, right? So in his case, Omaze reached out to him and said, hey, you want to do this thing? Uh, Joe says, yes, he has a D&D. You got to look this up. He has a D&D commercial where if you win, you have to donate 25 bucks and it's for a good cause. Um, it goes to a charity. So whether you get it or not, it's still a good thing to do. But you could win uh, uh, a meetup in C- oh, excuse me, in Seattle to go to the Wizards of the Coast headquarters, meet staff and all that. And then play D&D with him. That is so crazy to me. In addition to that, and I'll get back to Joe in a second, Key and Peel. You have to look up Key and Peel hip-hop in D&D. It's freaking hilarious. It's a funny-ass skit that they threw together. But back to Joe. So, <clears throat> Joe, and some of these celebrities played well before this. Um, and some I was aware of, some not so much. But... This Joe has had these people in his house playing D and D. You may you may know him. Let's let's see if you do. A guy like Vince Fond. What about James Gunn? Yeah. Um. What about the Big Show? You know the Big Show, WWE Hall of Famer. Um. Tom Morello. You know who Tom Morello is right guitarist little band called Rage Against the Machine also played the guitar with uh, Audio Slave, um, Matthew Lillard, and, and many, many others. And I, I'm just like, this is awesome. And it's cool, A, because these are celebrities, but it's also cool because um, Joe especially and, and some of these other guys have vocalized this and have shown. It's like, dude, this thing is cool. Uh, cool because of the game, not cool because it's cool to do. And that is the one thing that I really appreciate when it comes to creative endeavors, especially something like this to where, you know, he's articulated many others. Vin Diesel also said that he was a a player um, and and has been featured on a couple of, uh, a couple of shows where he discusses it. But I don't know. I just I, I think it's cool that there's that level of support or level of influence to where you got a guy like Joe Maganello or or Vin Diesel. I know that Terry Crews did an episode, I believe it was on the Nerdist of D&D where he played D&D. And the Nerdist is another humongous supporter of D&D. And it's just super cool to see that side of it after being a kid and playing again, D and D and riffs. And then, um, you know, going so long without playing and starting to read and and starting to watch these videos. It's exciting. Walking down that road of nostalgia is exciting. And, um, if you guys haven't looked into any of this stuff, take some time and do it. I had an incredible time playing. I know Dustin Dustin played and, and, and our buddy Tom and, and a bunch of our other buddies. Uh, Jeremy was was one of the, the epic DMs. And it's like, damn, man, to think 
uh, how much fun we had then. And, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for the future. I don't know. Um, another funny, uh, uh, show that I saw that had a D&D thing, and this was this was quite funny to me, was uh, The Big Bang Theory. So check out The Big Bang Theory D&D. You should be able to type it into YouTube and watch it. And the reason I bring this up is th- in the show, the and the guy's name just escaped me. But anyways, one of the characters was supposed to go do something and he snuck over to his buddy's house who just so happened to be having a D&D party with a couple of guys. You may know them. Um, you had the Shatman, William Shatner. You had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You also had Joe Maganello and Kevin Smith. And they were playing D&D. He goes home. He explains it to his wife. His wife loses loses her mind because Joe Maganello, uh, the same reason Dustin will once he hears this podcast because he was in Magic Mike. But, uh, you know, Kevin Smith's there and Joe, I mean, like, that's just so cool on how they did that. And, and I know I'm nerding out here. This is probably me at the highest nerd level ever. Um, but it's just an amazing, an amazing thing to see uh, and to have participated in. And to go kind of full circle with this deal, uh, it was it must have been, I don't know, eight years ago. Um, I was in the hospital with my daughter. My daughter had some some stuff happen to her and, and I was in there for I think it was close to 10 days with her. And during that 10 days, I got bored. And I started looking up riffs again because, again, that's kind of my go-to. I love again. I love playing D and D. Love that avenue. Um, but I always, for whatever reason, loved the art and I loved the crazy ass uh, character classes. And I like the uh, the genre that that is uh, riffs. And so I start. I go on riffs.com and. You can actually do this right now. I believe it's already there. They do um, Christmas packs. You spend 50 bucks, you get a box and you get some random, some rando stuff. And it's valued at higher than the 50 bucks. But the other cool thing is you can request signatures. So I have, I think I bought like two boxes of that at that time, during that time. Um, and I've got a bunch of books that are that are signed by Kevin Sambita and or Sambidia and some of the artists and all of that. And uh, I started reading the books and and then the the goofy part for me is is like where do I go from here? Like how do you do this now? And even today, um, after reviewing all of this, I'm like, do I do I want to play this? Because it crosses my mind, um, especially now that I spent you know a week reading and and watching crazy videos and all of this stuff. I'm like, man, maybe there's an opportunity, not, not a big one, but maybe an opportunity for me to dive a little bit that, you know, let me dive in a little bit back into playing. Uh, I definitely wouldn't want to GM or DM or anything because watching some of these videos, very intimidating, very intimidating. Some of these guys, um, and I'm going to mess his, I didn't write his name down. I was, I was hoping I wrote his name down. Uh, Mike Mercer, Mercier, or whatever his name is. That dude is one hell of a dungeon master. In fact, I was watching several games in, in stuff that he was doing, and I was just like, 
his setup is incredible. His storytelling is incredible. Um, the dude looks like he's genuinely having a fun time, which again goes goes to the players, and they have a good time. And wow. So I want to do probably an additional episode. I know that I've been talking for quite a while on DNT. Uh, talked about my story a little bit and then talked a little bit about the history, weaving it in and out, talked about some of the uh, resurgence and some of the celebrity that is now accepting and, and, and really promoting to some to some degree. And, uh, you know, I, again, I'm I'm super stoked. I'm stoked to see um, what directions I do need to dive more into the D&D stuff. Uh, I may order some of those another riffs gift box just because again i like reading the material it's just uh to me to kind of close this conversation out when i had the opportunity to both gm and play it allowed me to explore creative parts of my mind that i generally wouldn't do when i was creating games or thought of campaigns i remember reading through the books writing down notes over a period of a week or two weeks and just diving into well, what about that what if i create this character what if they encounter this guy what if this guy does this and then on the player side it goes back to the beginning of this podcast where it was like creating a character coming up with a funny name coming up with a story uh getting your dice ready and then going to war you went to war with your friends and, and the other cool part about it too was how many times after an epic campaign with a buddy or several buddies that you guys would collectively talk about, hey, man, you remember two weeks ago when we killed that dragon and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that was so awesome. And you got so lucky with that dice roll or, man, we got lucky to get away. I remember uh, several campaigns where it was like, dude, we were just lucky to get out of there. And uh, it, it's so crazy because it was all manufactured amongst five kids uh, driven from a couple of books and a shitload of creativity. So, uh, yeah. I think I'll end it on that note. That was a pretty good little little juncture there. So, all right. So, one thing I did want to talk about to wrap this up. Yesterday, I was uh, perusing the good old interwebs and ran across an article where uh, some person from uh, a Target in the U.S. was releasing photos of the Xbox series s and x because they had already received them they gave the counts on them which wasn't high it was 10 s's and 8 x's i believe or it might be vice versa but 18 consoles total a shitload of speculation there is a video on youtube about this but it brought kind of brings the thought because we're getting we're getting so close so close and again i'm sure dustin on the friday show in which he, he actually did mention this in the last Friday so show. So if you guys didn't listen to that episode, jump back there. But I would guess I'd be betting man to say that between Dustin and I, Monday, Friday, Monday, Friday, that we're both going to continue to leading up to the big Xbox reveal on any kind of news, any any kind of news that we catch. And then, of course, uh once we get the consoles and hopefully we get them um that was my concern and i know a lot of other people's but it's still early where that individual said there was only 18 consoles which seems low dustin did highlight that um phil spencer had mentioned i believe it was phil spencer had mentioned that uh he believes the s is going to outsell the x's and 
everything. I really hope that doesn't mean that they under manufacture the X's because I really want an X. I know Dustin wants an X and an S, but uh, so freaking stoked. And then, of course, Cyberpunk's coming out. Looking at that again, you know, the excitement is is building so much. Um, we're, we're a couple of weeks out, boys and girls. So buckle in. Um, if you did get a pre-order, congratulations. You're one of the few. And uh, if you didn't, I'll see your ass in line at the local store, just like me and Dustin. <laughs> so, all right, uh, let's see. There was one other thing I wanted to check in. Let me check the calendar here. So it looks like I'm going to be missing Halloween. So you folks uh, have an incredible Halloween and as always, I hope you guys had a great weekend. I know I started this episode off a little different, kind of goofy, trying to have fun. But um, I, I do hope you guys had a great weekend uh, to end on that. I got to uh, catch up. I'm here in the new office. As I mentioned in the last episode, I'm moving some stuff around. Um, but I am starting to configure things to my liking. And it is making the uh, creative endeavors that I mentioned before a hell of a lot easier on me. Um, especially with processing and taking videos and, and doing so many different things. So I am super stoked to be uh, putting together some video clips. If you guys haven't been to our Facebook page, stop on by. It's at Culture Jacked. Uh, feel free to drop a comment. Of course, please share the content if you like the content. Um, if you don't like it, just don't share it. You, well, you can still like it, though, right? No? I don't know. Anyways, uh it's it's definitely helped me out a tremendous amount and it's lending to the podcast because i got the ability to sit here and uh shoot and and uh record the podcast in a very uh uh, very good space and it allows me to do the research and, and build up some stuff enough of that i guess enough 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 that's all i got guys I'm, I'm running to the end of the road. I gave it all to you with the D&D and the Rift stuff. That was that was what I got. I had a bunch of different plans, but this is what you get. So, again, have an incredible Halloween. Make sure and check out the Friday show if you have not. And also, don't forget, today's Monday when this comes out. Monday Madness, right? A couple of days from now, you get another show. And then a couple of days from then, you get another show right that's right so as always guys thank you guys for tuning into this episode of monday madness as i took you on one hell of a journey into the world of dnd and riffs thanks for tuning in we will catch up with you guys next week <laughs>